Hare Krishna devotees, Dandavat Pranam, all glories to Srila Prabhupada and Guru Maharaj. Today we are so fortunate to have His Grace Sarvadik Prabhuji from Mayapur. Today Prabhuji will enlighten us on Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 5, Chapter 16, Verse 3. Hare Krishna Prabhuji, please take over the call. Thank you, Mataji. <clears throat> Sorry, all devotees, for the delay. Having some technical problem here, I couldn't log on. There's a storm here in Mayapur, which may be the problem. Anyway, happy to be here with all of you. So today we're reading Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 5, Chapter 16, Text 3. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. <coughs> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Narayanam Namaskritya Naramchaiva Narotamam. Deving Sarasitim Jasam Tato Jayamudirayat. Nashta Prasha Badeshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevayam Bhagavati Yutam Shloke Bhakti Bhagavati Bhakti Bhagavati Nashtiki Krishna Swadamo Bhagavati Dharma Jnana Diti Saha Kulo Nashta Deshamesha Puranuko Nudonita This text doesn't have a meter to it, but I'll try and read it as far as possible, and then we can do word for word translation of Srila Prabhupada's report. Bhagavato gunamaye stula rupa adeshitam manoja gune agunepi sukshvatama atma jyoti shi pare brahmane bhagavati vasudeva ke shamam adeshitam tadu haitat gurur asya anuvarnayatam iti Bhagavata of the Supreme Personality of Godhead gunamaye of the external features consisting of the three modes of material nature. Stula rupe, the gross form. Adi shitam, entered. Mana, the mind. He, certainly. Agune, transcendental. Api, although. Smukshatame, in his smaller form as Paramatma, within the heart. Atma jyotishi, who is full of Brahman effulgence. Pare, of the supreme. Brahmani, spiritual entity. Bhagavati, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vasudeva Akhe, known as Bhagavan Vasudeva, Shamam, Sutapo, Abhishitam, to absorb, Tat, that, Uha, indeed, Etat, this, Guru, O my dear spiritual master, Arhasi, Anuvarna Yitum, please describe factually, Iti, thus. Translation, when the mind is fixed upon the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and his external form, feature, made of the material modes of nature, the gross and universal form, it is brought to the platform of pure goodness. In that transcendental position, one can understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead Vasudev, who in a subtler form is, in his, is, his, is self-effulgent and beyond the modes of nature. Oh, my Lord, please describe vividly how that form, which covers the entire universe, is perceived. Purport by Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Maharaj Pariksit had already been advised by his spiritual master, Shukadeva Goswami, to think of the universal form of the Lord, and therefore, following the advice of his spiritual master, he continuously thought of that form. The universal form is certainly material, but because everything is an expansion of the energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, ultimately, nothing is material. Therefore, Pariksit Maharaj's mind was saturated with spiritual consciousness. Srila Rupa Goswami has stated, Prapanchikataya buddha hari sambandhi vasthana 
Everything, even that which is material, is connected with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, everything should be engaged in the service of the Lord. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur translates this verse as follows. Harisevaya yata haya anukula, vishaya balayata hara jage haya bhula. One, quote, one should not give up anything connected with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, thinking it material or enjoyable for the material senses, end quote. Even the senses, when purified, are spiritual. When Maharaj Pariksit was thinking of the universal form of the Lord, his mind was certainly situated on the transcendental platform. Therefore, although he might not have had any reason to be concerned with detailed information of the universe, he was thinking of it in relationship with the Supreme Lord. And therefore, therefore such a grave geographical knowledge was not material but transcendental. Elsewhere in Srimad Bhagavatam, Narada Muni has said, Idam hi bishram bhagavan idetara. The entire universe is also the Supreme Personality of Godhead, although it appears in different although it appears different from him. Therefore, although Pariksit Maharaj has no need for geographical knowledge of this universe, that knowledge was also spiritual and transcendental, because he was thinking of the entire universe as an expansion of the energy of the Lord. In our preaching work also, we deal with so, we deal with so much property and money, with so many books bought and sold, that because these dealings are all all pertain to the Krishna consciousness movement, they should never be considered material. That one is absorbed in thoughts of such management does not mean that he is outside of Krishna consciousness. If one right, rigidly observes the regulative principle of chanting 16 rounds of the Mahamantra every day, his dealings with the material world for the sake of spreading the Krishna consciousness movement are not different from the spiritual cultivation of Krishna consciousness. Om this is very interesting purport. Srila Prabhupada talks, begins talking about the universal form of the Lord. For those that may have not studied the earlier parts of Bhagavatam, universal form means conceiving of the Lord in terms of matter. In other words, the description is that the mountains are his bones, that rivers are his veins, the ocean is his semina, the sky is his uh, sky, I'm forgetting. The sun is his eye, like that. The sun is not his eye. Bone, the mountains are not the Lord's bones. The Lord has no bones. But it's a way in which we can give some reference, like uh, it's called Tarasakanyai, which means giving a reference point. If someone tries to say, you see that star in the sky? They say, no, no, I don't see it. Okay, well, follow that branch. You see the branch, okay? Follow that branch right to the tip of that branch. It points right to that star. So the branch helps us see the star. So in a similar way, the universal form, it gives us a gross material conception of what is God. What is the, the magnanimity, or not magnanimity, the inconceivable 
dimension of God. Because what can we understand? He's greater than the greatest. He's greater than the greatest and smaller than the smallest. He's so small that it's in the heart of the individual soul who is one ten thousandth the size of the tip of a hair. Two angstroms. Take one hair, divide the tip 100 times, divide the 100th part of the tip 100 times, one ten thousandth the size of the tip of the hair. That is the size giving some dimension to the spirit soul. The Lord is in the heart of that living being, ourself, our Atma. So he's smaller than the smallest and he's larger than the largest. Lord Vamandit pushed his foot right through the covering of the universe. He could push it through, through the entire material creation. I mean, like, this is the power, the inconceivable dimension of God. So to give us some reference point, the description is there in Bhagavatam, the universal form of the Lord. But we shouldn't misunderstand that the bones, of, oh, here's, here's Krishna's bones. Here's a river. Oh, here's Krishna's veins. No, it's a way to give a reference to understand the greatness of God. And it helps us to understand what is this creation, because this is a very important consideration. Because mostly people go through their life without even thinking, what, what is it I'm living in, this material world? What is it? It's, it's what we've always known from the moment we opened our eyes after our birth. Okay, here it is. There's the sun, the moon, the scars, trees, oceans, rivers, grass, the whole birds, songbirds, human beings, the whole material, uh, in, in, incredible variety of experience seems normal to us. But actually, there's a higher conception <clears throat> that is described in the 15th chapter, first few verses, the 15th chapter, Bhagavad Gita. There, you find a description. Um, that there is a banyan tree the Lord is likening the creation the material creation to a banyan tree and he's saying there is a banyan tree with its roots up and its branches down now where do we see such a tree every tree we see within creation has its roots firmly established in the earth and its branches are up but we see this tree with its roots up and its branches down, only in a reflection. If the tree is growing next to a lake and the water is very still, you see an exact replica of that tree in the, in the refle- reflected in the water. The reflection is there because there's reality. There can be no reflection without the reality. But the reflection is real. It's a real reflection, but it's not reality, if you're following me. It's not a real tree. It's a reflection of a tree. So Krishna is saying this material creation is a reflection of spiritual reality. For example, let's say that tree is a mango tree. Everybody loves mango. So the tree has mangoes. Therefore, the reflection also has mango. But can you actually pick a mango from the reflection? Impossible. Because it's only reflection. But life in the material world means we're thinking we're enjoying that which is eternal. But it's not eternal, it's not real. Krishna says in Gita, Nasato Bhidite Babo, Nad Babo Bhidite Sita, Upayor Upadrashtantas Paniyos Tattva Darshivi. That the seers of truth, Tattva Darshi, have, have said that that which is eternal is ever, and that which is existing is actually eternal. That which doesn't exist only exists temporarily. This is a very profound thought. 
let me repeat that, that that which exists, exists eternally. That which exists temporarily is said not to exist. So this whole material creation is a temporary manifestation of the power and energy of the Lord, his apara prakriti, his external energy that is manifest in terms of the modes of material nature, as planets, as all the variegated creation we, we experience every day. But this is all reflection. Just like in, in relationships. Someone plays the part of mother, father, sister, brother, children, grandparents. All different relationships are there. But they're all reflections of eternal spiritual reality. Such things exist in the spiritual world. Therefore, they're manifest here. People are eating food here because they're eating food there. People are enjoying life in different ways because they're enjoying there. And the topmost type of pleasure in the spiritual world becomes the least, the bottommost in the reflection. So this is a very important thing to understand. How our struggle for existence in the material world is like a dream. It's like a movie. Like what, what is a movie? The, the whole thing is, a, is uh, practically speaking, non-existent. From be, it's, it's, a, it's a sham. It's, a, it's fake from beginning to end. If it's a romance, there's the, the hero and the heroine, and they fall in love, and there's the villain, and something disrupts their love, and they can't get together, and the whole audience cries. But what is actually happening? There's some light being projected on a screen. There's some emotional music, and people cry. But what is actually happening? That there's two actors. They're filming people playing the part of the heroine, playing the part of the hero, and they're paid actors. They're not in love. There's no story. There's a script that some that some movie director wrote, and they're just acting the script, pretending to be in love, pretending to struggle to be together, and the whole thing is fake, false, from beginning to end. But people go, they pay good money to sit in the movie theater, watch the movie, and cry. Or if it's a scary movie, they hold under their seat and they're afraid. Or if it's a comedy, they laugh. What is to be afraid? What is to laugh about? What is to cry about? It's light on a screen with some music. But it, it affects us. So in a similar way, our whole experience in the material world is exactly like that. What is, what is to lament? We have to come to a higher spiritual conception of life where we don't identify with the illusions of this material world that are being played out endlessly in our life over and over again. Different obstacles, different happinesses, different things that make us sad and make us cry, things that make us laugh, falling in love. All these relationships are said to be asata, asat. They don't actually exist because it's only a flash in the pan. It only exists for a few moments. And then the, our death comes and we move into another illusion over and over again. So the suggestion of Shastra is don't do this. Why, why are you doing this over and over again? We're not born. Najayate. Mriyateva kadachit. Kadachit means at any time. We think we're born and we think we will die. Both are illusion. The soul is never born. But we think that we're born. We've come into this world. Our mother is feeding us, feeding us at her breast. We learn to crawl. We learn to walk. People are praising us. 
oh, you're so cute, and they play with you, Gucci, Gucci, and they buy clothes for you, and life is good. And then someday someone says to you, okay, now it's time to go to school. School? What's that? No, no, you have to learn how to read, how to write, mathematics, history, geography. You have to learn all these things. <laughs> what are they learning? Life means to learn what is real and what is not real. To understand that human life, although temporary, is artidom. It gives us the highest benefit of understanding who we are and what is this world. And that should take place from the youth, from the very earliest stage of life. That people are put in school and indoctrinated. This, this world, was, there is no God. There's no God in control. Everything is all illusion. Just get out there and work hard, make money, enjoy yourself. And this is the basic principle of educational system in the Western world. There's no mention of God. It's forbidden. You can't talk about God in public institutions. You can't talk about God or, or politics at work. You may get fired for talking about something useful, something meaningful, something significant. They have millions of things to talk about. Uh, Bhagavatam says, Shrutavyadini Rajendra Niram Santi Sahasrasa Apashitam Atma Tattvam Griheshu Grihamedinam Persons devoid of Atma Tattva, knowledge of the self, have hundreds and thousands of things to talk about. They can talk about their, God, their, their dog, their cat, their goldfish, what they saw on TV, what they did on the weekend, what they did with their girlfriend, their car, their neighbor, what movie they want. They have thousands of things to talk about. But if you bring up the subject of God, no, 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 we can't talk about that. No, no, that's, that, that's, that's too controversial. Talk about God. <clears throat> so this is the educational system. And then they'll come through. Sometimes, somehow they survive the high, sp- high school experience of being cool, and wearing the right kind of clothes, having the right mobile phone, watching the right movies, talking the right talk, having the right friends, being cool, being popular. And then about 11th standard, 12th standard, they say to you, so what do you want to be? And then the person thinks, what do you mean, what do I want to be? I'm me. I'm me. What do you mean, what do, what do I want to be? No, no, what do you want to do to make money? Money is very important, a career. You have to earn money, have a career. So they enroll in college. And they spend four years, six years, eight years studying to get a degree. And they come out with a degree and they go begging, please hire me. I'll be a good employee. I'll make money for you. And they get a job and now they've got money. And they fall in love. They make a little nest. They have kids. Next, this is a natural progression of things. Husband and wife, they produce children. And the children, again, have to go through the same thing. And parents are nurturing through the whole life experience. One day the kids grow up. They say, bye, Mom. Bye, Dad. It's been fun. See you later. Then who's left? Husband and wife, Mom and Dad. But what is their future? One of them will die, and one of them will cry. This is the future of every. No matter how wonderful, how harmonious, loving the relationship is, one of the, one of the partners will die, other one will cry. And then the remaining partner will also die. This is the life and material experience. But the whole thing is illusion from beginning to end over and over again, doing the same thing. 
Na jayate, we're not born. Namriyate, we don't die. We are the witness to our own death. And this is what's so very, very disturbing to a conditioned soul who identifies so strongly with their body. They're witness to their own death, and they can't understand what's happening. They see their body being destroyed, and they, what, what's happening to me? What's happening to me? And they become very, very disturbed. There's a story I was told by a member of a Bhakti Viksha group in, in North Carolina. His sister was in the hospital. She had to have a cesarean birth, and in the process of removing the baby from her womb, they inadvertently severed some important artery and she bled to death. She left her body and she's watching the whole scene, seeing her body on the operating table and seeing the doctor standing around aghast. Oh my God, we killed her. What will we, t- what will we tell the family? And she's watching and listening to every word of the doctor scrambling to make up a story to explain to the family who's just outside the door. What are we going to tell them? What will we tell them? We can't tell her we, that we killed her because of our negligence. Okay, just, okay, make up some story. And she's, she's watching and listening to this whole story and comes back to her body. Her heart starts beating and she comes back to her body. She survives her ordeal and tells her family exactly what happened. That these guys screwed up. They almost killed me. So this is the experience of death. We leave our body, we see our body, and for a, devo- for a non-devotee who is deeply attached to the bodily conception of life, it's the most traumatic experience. For a devotee, it's the most natural thing. He's just like changing dress. At night, when you change into your night clothes, you're thinking, oh no, I'm, I'm taking off my shirt, not my shirt, oh no, not my shirt. It's just a shirt. And this body is just a shirt. It's a dress. It's an, a role, a form that has ultimately no meaning because it is temporary. It's asat. Asatob. It's, it's non-permanent. It's a reflection. It's the, it's the mango in the water that you can't actually enjoy. You think you're enjoying it. You think you're enjoying life, but actually the soul is not enjoying it. The soul can only enjoy reality in the kingdom of God. So the whole objective of life <coughs> is that at the end of life, go back to Godhead and never again return to this reflection, this dream, this movie that we call life. This is what's called self-realization. And this is our objective. Now, does that mean that we say, oh, it's all illusion, I'm, I won't go to work tomorrow. It's all illusion. I won't take my final exam. It's all illusion. I won't cook or clean the house. It's all illusion. Let the kids take care of themselves. Now we have to play a role in the illusion to become free. We're practicing. We're on pro- the devotional life, Srila Prabhupada explains, is like probation. We're at probationary stage where you're not completely liberated, but you're not completely conditioned either. In the prison system in America, I had practical experience of this, having done some service in the jails in America. After a person fulfills his sentence, say he has a 10-year sentence, after his, he's released, he's typically put in what they call halfway house. He's not completely free. He has a probation officer. He has to report to the officer. He has to be completely free from drugs and alcohol. He has to be, there's certain conditions that are placed on him 
in, in uh, relation to the nature of his crime. So he's placed in halfway house. He can live there. They give him a car. They get a job for him. And he, does, he goes to work. He drives. He's free, but he's not completely free. And I had the exper- this experience with one inmate. He was stealing uh, U.S. government ordinance ammunition and guns, and they think of selling them on the street. Uncle Sam didn't think it was funny and gave him a 10-year sentence. So when he got out, he was a devotee, nice devotee, actually, serious devotee. When he got out, he was placed in a halfway house. And he just had, they gave him a job, they gave him car, keys to the car, a place to live, income, he had everything, except he has to report to the parole officer. But he decided he wanted to be completely free, Skipped, skipped out, drove the car to Mexico, and they caught him at the border and put him back in jail. Now, this is very instructive because in this analogy, who is the parole officer? The parole officer is Sri Guru. When we follow the instructions of Guru, we're liberated. We're as good as liberated. We still may have attachment. To, we will still have attachment to this material world. We're not perfectly liberated, aloof from the material experience. But we're playing our role in the material world. We're going to our job. We're making care, taking care of our family. We're fulfilling obligations in terms of our parole. And under the direction of the parole officer, Shri Guru, we continue to act in a liberated way. The day will come when we're completely liberated. And Chaktwa Dehum Punarjanma Naiti Mamiti Sarjana. We leave our body and leave behind our material body, leave behind our subtle body, mind, Buddhi, mana, hankar, mind, intellect, ego. We leave it all behind and enter the kingdom of God and never come back here. So devotional life is something like probationary stage. We've got one foot in Goloka and one foot in the material world. So as long as we act within the conditions of the instructions of Guru, we remain in a liberated stage. We're not conditioned by the illusions of this world. We don't identify with this world I can stay here forever. I can be happy. No, Krishna says, Dukalayam Shashvatam. This world is full of misery and it's temporary. And we give up the struggle for Sukalayam Shashvatam, trying to make it very happy, very comfortable, happy existence, and I can stay here forever. We cannot stay. No matter how comfortable, how opulent, how pleasing your situation is in life, you cannot stay. None of us can stay. We all have to leave. Well, someone who has realization of that lives his life accordingly. So this is an important thing to understand. First principle that is being discussed here in this purport. And what is this world? What is it? It's a reflection. It's not the real deal. And as long as we identify with this world, we can't enter the spiritual world. So the process of bhakti means to vidyabhadhu uh, jivanam. By chanting Hare Krishna, we get realization, the life of all transcendental knowledge to have knowledge of who we are, what is this world, and what am I doing here? What am I doing here? How can I leave this world and enter the real world? Pick fruit from the real mango tree and stop trying to pick fruit from a reflection and only being frustrated in the attempt. So Prabhupada also talks about uh, Rupa Goswami's instruction here, Prabhupada Buddha, Buddha. This means that everything that is we consider to be material is not material at all if we use it in the Lord's service. And from the higher conception, Prabhupada quotes Bhagavatam, 
that entire creation is nothing but Krishna. So many say, so many say, how is that? It cl- clearly, I see this is material. It's material. It, it decomposes. It has its beginning. My own body is material. I have my birth, growth, maintenance, producing byproducts, dwindling, and death. Different processes are going in everybody's life, in everybody's body. How is it not material? It's not material in the sense that it's Krishna's energy. What is there in the creation that isn't the product of the creator? Everything is Krishna's creation. He describes in Bhagavad Gita, Bhumara Panalobayukamano Buddhirevacha, Ahankara Itiyami Bhina Prakritir Ashtara, Aparyamitastandam Big Prakriti Biddhime Param, Jiva Bhuta Mahabaho, Yedam Dharyatejadat. In two shlokas in Bhagavad Gita, he describes the whole situation. So we have this gross material body made of earth, water, fire, air, ether, subtle body, mind, intellect, ego. Buddhi Manahankar. And above that, Aparayam, Itastan, Prakritim Bidhi made from that which is beyond Prakriti, which is in a different category that makes Prakriti work, is the soul, the Atma. How are, how, are, how are their buildings? How is my body moving? Only by the presence of the soul. And because of the presence of the soul, Jiva souls manipulate their body, they get material elements, they get some concrete, some steel, some glass, some copper and they build a building. How is the building there? Only because of the presence of the soul. How is the body there? Only because of the presence of the soul. So, from one point of view, material, from another point of view, is fully spiritual. It's Krishna's energy. Srila Prabhupada explained in a very nice way. He said, what is the difference between material and spiritual? He said, the difference is our consciousness. If you take something... He was giving the example of a uh, printer, a lithograph machine. Of course, the, no one uses lithographs anymore. No, what is it called? Uh, mimeograph machine. Nobody uses a mimeo anymore. There's an ancient technique used to produce copies back in the 60s, 70s. Not so ancient. Of course, now I'm ancient also. <laughs> but mimeograph machine. So, so he, he was explaining that when this machine is used in Christian service, it is no longer material. It's used in Krishna's service. It's using Krishna's energy for Krishna's interest, for Krishna's happiness. And actually, during the time of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, Saraswati Thakur, they used to offer arati and flowers to the printing press because it was used in the distribution of Krishna conscious message, the message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This printing press was worshipped Unfortunately, the sad history is they ultimately sold that printing press to pay legal bills to fight each other in the court, which is a very sad situation. To, to sell such a valuable asset that was used for the distribution, this dissemination of the message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Gauravani. So the principle is anything used in Krishna's in service becomes spiritualized. Srila Prabhupada gave an example. He said, just like an iron rod, if you place the iron rod in the fire, it becomes just like fire. It is an iron rod, but it has all the qualities of the fire. If you touch the iron rod, it will burn you, just like the fire. It's not the, it's not the fire, but by association with the fire, it takes on all the qualities of the fire. Similarly, when something is used in Krishna's service, it becomes spiritualized. So building a building, 
to house the deity, driving a car to go shopping, to go on Harinam, to go to home programs. That car becomes spiritualized. It's Krishna's car. It's Krishna's house. What's the difference between a regular house and a house that is used in the service of the Lord? One is fully material by consciousness, and one is fully spiritual by consciousness, by conscious acknowledgement that this is Krishna's property, this is Krishna's temple, these are Krishna's devotees, this is Krishna's bhoga, this is Krishna's altar, these are Krishna's dresses, this is Krishna's property, every atom is his. Why? Because it's coming from him. It is his property. But because we don't acknowledge it, because our consciousness is not fixed on the proprietor, on the creator, the source of all energy, then that is called material. The only difference is our consciousness. So this is the expansion of the of this verse. Then this uh, associated verse uh, mm, that comes. These actually two verses. Uh, I'm trying to remember it now. Mm. No. Anyway, there's another verse that probably explains in the same way. Not falgu vaivagya. Falgu vaivagya means that we don't take anything. It's all material. We can't use anything in Krishna service. Probably gives an example of a uh, sannyasi. You try and give him money. He said, no, 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 no. We don't take money. No, no, I don't touch him. And I saw this. There's one nice sannyasi. Well, he's Babaji in Vrindavan. So he's doing very nice seva, feeding sadhus. So one devotee took me there. We took prasadam there. So I told the blind, she's doing some nice service, trying to give him some rupees. Then no, 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 I don't accept. There's a nice attitude. But devotee has a different, a higher attitude. Detachment is a nice thing. It's nice to be detached from material acquisition. It's a good attitude. But higher than that is, yes, please give me. And give me, give me more if you can. Because whatever I get, I use in Krishna service. This is the proper utilization of Lord's energy. Example is, if someone loses a $100 bill, $100 bill is on the street, one person picks it up and says, great, I'm $100 richer. And he walks off, puts some money in his pocket. Another person takes the money, he looks at it and says, no, no, it's not mine, I won't touch it. Another person takes the bill and tries to find the owner. That is Krishna consciousness, to acknowledge that someone is a proprietor. When we use everything in Krishna's service, then we're not, we're not bound by karma. We're not, we don't attach ourselves more and more to this material world. So who is the proprietor of the $100 bill? Who is the proprietor of everything? It's Krishna. If we take it for our own, this is criminal. And if we un- unnecessarily or falsely renounce to come, False renouncers, falgu vairagyam, means false renouncer. If we become false renouncers of this material world, then this is also not ultimately valuable because you'll never get prema. You'll never get love of God by renunciation. How can you renounce something that doesn't belong to you? If a man walks into a bank and says, attention everyone, listen up, I renounce all the money in this bank. In fact, you can have your wallet also. You can have your wedding ring. You can have uh, the cash in the cash store, in the bank, in the bank vault. You can have it all. I, I give it to you. Let's say, get out of here, crazy man. Out. And if someone walks in with a gun and says, give me the money, give me your wallet, give me your wedding ring, 
give me the cash store, then he'll, then he'll go to jail for a long time. It's illegal to steal, and it's foolish, insane, to renounce something that doesn't belong to you. But you can walk into the bank, you can make a deposit, you can write a check, you can make a withdrawal, you can have a business relationship with the bank for years. So in the same way, renunciation is false, falgu varagyam. It's not, what is ours to renounce? We're born with nothing and we die with nothing. Our own body doesn't belong to us. We're, we are, can live in this body only as long as it's allowed by our karma. And then the whole thing is finished. The whole show is finished. We don't own our own, our own body. What to speak of the objects in relationship with our body. Neither is, is it legal to take whatever we like, become bhokta. Krishna says, Bhoktaram Jagatapasam Sarva Loka Mahishwaram Suradam Sarva Bhutanam Gyatvamam Shantim Richtati That if we want to be happy, acknowledge Krishna is Bhokta. He is the enjoyer. Then you can become peaceful. So, if we renounce, this is illusion. And you'll never get any real benefit from it. And if you try and take that which doesn't belong to you, then you're a criminal. But if we take what is the property of the Lord and use it in the service of the Lord, that thing becomes all spiritual. Like we're building here in, in, in uh, India. I just got back from a, a one-month tour of North India, and I'm astounded. I'm just flabbergasted, is, is the English word, flabbergasted, to see how Krishna consciousness is spreading all over India, everywhere. But I, I was only in North India. But huge temples are coming up in Kurukshetra. There's a big, huge temple coming up. There'll be four huge two-story horses, the temple is shaped, the whole temple is shaped like a rock, Krishna Arjuna temple. Uh, Guru Kula is going to be the guest houses are coming up. Big, huge project in Kurukshetra. Same thing in Ludhiana. Ludhiana, big, big huge uh, Jagannath temple is coming up on three, four acres of land. There's a Goshala there operating already. Forty cows are there. Big, huge temple, beautiful devotees. Same thing in Rohini, suburb of Delhi, and Delhi and Siyan. That temple will open, is scheduled to open uh, Ram Navami next year. Big, huge, beautiful Sanskrit, uh, uh, sandstone, red sandstone temple. Huge place. On, on the same standard for those of you that have been to Easter Kalash Temple in Delhi. As big or bigger than that. Same thing in Dwarka. I think bigger than all of these temples. Uh, is bigger. And a huge temple coming up in Dwarka also. All these big, big temples coming up all over India. So why? For the benefit of human society. Taking property that belongs to the Lord, the cement, the steel, the sandstone, the glass, the copper, all the different elements that go into building a building that belong to the Lord to build something for the glory of the Lord. To broadcast the glories of the Lord, to educate people. Temples are for Kanishta devotees, beginners. Because who will come if we're sitting underneath a tree? Please come and hear about Krishna. They want to see the deity. They want to see the Lord. They want to come to a place where they can bow down, where they can give a donation, where they can take prasad, where they can have darshan, see the beautiful, all-attractive form of the deity in the temple. This is for the masses of people. The class, for the class, there's philosophy. Bhagavatam, Gita, Upanishads, um, Ramayana, Mahabharata, for, for the classes of people. 
for have intelligence brain for philosophy. They can see where is it gone. But foolish people, this is the other thing. Foolish people say, God is everywhere. Why go to the mandir? That's true. God is everywhere. But we go to the mandir to get the experience of God, to engage our senses in the service of the Lord, to, get, to charge our batteries, to feel inspired by the beauty of the Lord, to take his prasad, to spiritualize our existence. This is the temple. God is everywhere. That's true. But if you want to be enlivened and encouraged and re, uh, re, um, rebooted, you can say, then we go to the temple. Just like here in um, Mayapur, it's very humid. It just rained uh, most of the afternoon. So it's very, very humid. So there's water vapor in the air. But can I stick out my tongue and drink that water vapor? Water is everywhere. Why not? If it's everywhere, why not just get some? We can't do that. If I want to drink water, you have to go to the tap. So the temple is the tap. God is everywhere. He's within the atom. Where is it, God? He is within everything. And it's all his energy. There's nothing but God, ultimately. The creator manifests as a creation. The creation is not different from him. He's everywhere. He's present everywhere within every atom. But how can you experience him? You have to go to the tap, go to the temple to see his beautiful form, to take his prasad, to offer your obeisances, to remember him. What was Krishna wearing today? What dress was, what beautiful dress was Srimati Radharani wearing today? So this is a process of self-realization. Not falgu vairagyam, false renunciation. Oh, no, no, we don't want money. We don't build temples. We don't distribute books. We don't distribute prasadam. No, no, we just, we just sit and meditate and chant. No bogus. Completely bogus. We take what belongs to Krishna and use it in a Krishna service. Prabhupada tells a story about one man who goes out for bhiksha, devotee, goes out for bhiksha. One pious man gives him nice donation. He says, oh, thank you very much. Next day he comes back, knocking on the door. The man opens the door, and it's the same devotee there. Bhiksha Dehi, please give some donations. I gave you money yesterday. Why are you here again? I already spent it for Krishna. Would you like to give more? This is our process. We get and we spend for Krishna. And this is an uh, interesting thing because some people criticize, oh, you ISKCON people, you're always asking for money. That's true. But what they should also appreciate, what are we doing with the money? Are we living a luxurious life? I see these brahmacharis. I was at IIT Rurki, Indian Institute of Technology. They get 1.5 million applications and accept only 10,000 students. And there's 40 of them in our ashram in Rurki. Brilliant, highly intelligent, educated men from, from uh, aristocratic families, some of them from very wealthy families, and they set it all aside to become devotees. They're finishing their degree, but many of these young men set it all aside to serve in Shaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. They're like modern-day Raghunath Das, Das, because they set everything aside for Krishna. Brilliant young men. Same thing in in Kanpur. We have a beautiful ashram in Kanpur, right on campus, where young men and women come, participate, worship Jagannath, have kirtan, have class, take prasadam together. These amazing devotees are coming and serving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Amazing, brilliant. One of them showed me their PhD thesis. I couldn't make 
heads or tails of it. I can't understand one word. <laughs> I never graduated from college. And these people are coming to serve Krishna. Very, very encouraging. So this is, this is renunciation. To open temples, to distribute books, to distribute prasadam for the welfare of human society. And many, many wonderful young men and women are coming forward to do that all over North India. It was the most amazing experience. I traveled to uh, Dwarka, Rohini, Panipat, Sonipat, Kurukshetra, Rurki, um, Kanpur, Dwaraka. I think t- 10 different places. I can't remember them all. But I always, I'll, I'll never forget these devotees. So accommodating, so loving, so enthusiastic in Krishna consciousness. India is growing by leaps and bounds. We can hope that that same thing will happen in other parts of the world also. Because on this, on this principle of what is Falgu Varagya, that you want to give money, then we'll use everything in Krishna's service. We'll build a temple. We'll distribute books. We'll distribute prasadam. So some people criticize, oh, you, you're always asking money, money, money. You're just too money-minded. No, we're Krishna-minded. We understand the principle of educating the public by these things. I mean, you're using your money fully in the Lord's service. And devotees are not living luxurious life. I've seen with my own eyes. These highly educated young men sleeping on the floor. They've got two dotis, two kurtas, beadbag, kopin, living such a simple life. They could be in the material world making lakhs of rupees every month, but they set it aside to serve Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's so glorious. I offer my obeisances to them thousands of times. So there's good, we have a response to these people. We should be able to explain. It's like this. We're asking money, but we're spending money for your benefit, for the benefit of society, just like the relationship between the sun and the rain. The sun evaporates moisture from the earth, and when it becomes sufficiently dense as a cloud, it begins to rain. And that rain moistens the earth, and when the clouds part, the sun again evaporates that water and becomes a cloud. There's a give-and-take relationship between the sun and the, and the cloud. So we're taking by evaporating people's pocketbook. <laughs> we're taking money. Yes, give money. But we're giving it back to them in the form of book distribution, in the form of beautiful temples, all these big, big temples coming up. And just in Delhi, there's 17 temples, beautiful temples, just in Delhi area. Uh, this is a contribution of His Holiness, uh, Gopal Krishna Maharaj. Today is His uh, appearance day, by the way. We had a beautiful celebration over at the Samadhi Auditorium today with some of His disciples. So this is amazing contribution of His Holiness, Gopal Krishna Maharaj, who has built and, and inspired devotees to build these amazing temples for the welfare of human society. We're giving back to you. We're building temples. We're distributing books. We're distributing prasadam in Delhi NCR, just in one month, that community of devotees distributed 8 lakhs, 800,000 Bhagavad Gita's in one month. I don't think America does that much in one year. Whole of America does that much in one year. I don't think so. So much uh, book distribution is going on. So many devotees coming. And this is our giving back to society. We're taking, but not for ourselves. And we're using, but we're using in the service of the Lord. And this is spiritual life. 
So this is what Prabhupada is talking about at the end of this purport. He says, in our preaching work also, we also deal with so much property and money and so many books bought and sold that because these dealings are all pertain to the Krishna conscious movement, it should never be considered material. Nothing material at all about it. Only a gross materialist would never learn how to think will criticize ISKCON society, you're taking so much money. Please see what we're doing with all this money. We're spreading Krishna consciousness. And Prabhupada says clearly here that someone is working in this way, spreading Krishna consciousness. This is not different from the spiritual cultivation of Krishna consciousness. It is bhajan. It is worship. It is meditation. How to distribute books, how to preach. Like these same devotees in Badragar, Badragar is another place I got, another place I didn't mention, Badragar Iskand. It's a replica of our temple built in Krishna Balaram. I think many of you have probably seen our beautiful, beautiful Krishna Balaram Mandir in Vrindavan. So this temple in Badragar, just outside of Delhi, northwest Delhi, is a replica of our Krishna Balaram temple. It was built in one year. It came up, funds were there, facility was there, and boom, this temple came up in one year. So, I forgot where I was going with that. Um, okay, so we're building temples. This is cultivation of Krishna consciousness. It's the same. Building a temple is meditation, is bhajan. Distributing books is meditation, is bhajan. It's not different from sitting and chanting. But that doesn't mean we can't. We don't need to chant japa. It's the foundation of our spiritual life. But building temples, distributing books, preaching, book, um, prasadam distribution, pre- preaching in college campuses, bhakti bhikshu groups, all the things we do, this is bhajan, this is worship. And it's not the activity of conditioned souls. Rather, it's explained in Chaitanya Charitamrita that these are the activities of devotee who has intimate relationship with Krishna, that only with them does the Lord distribute this Krishna consciousness movement. Only with them does he taste this essential, the highest relationship of uh, Madhurya Bhav with devotees that are preaching Krishna consciousness, distributing the message of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So there's a few things we can glean from this beautiful purport. Srila Prabhupada is explaining what is renunciation, how to use our senses, what is this world. So, anyone has any comment, question? I enjoyed every sentence of your lecture, Prabhu. They are full of conviction, faith, maturity, and vision. That's so, so nice to, you know, listen from you and uh, fortunate to have you, you know, on, the, on, the, on this group. I really appreciate and admire your, your vision and your thoughts and your whole process, Prabhu. Wonderful. Well, I can say one thing. Ultimately, you're admiring the mercy of Srila Prabhupada. I'm a, I'm a fallen soul. I'm the product of his mercy. And I'm only made of Prabhupada's mercy. So if you're appreciating anything, you're ultimately appreciating Srila Prabhupada. We will die. Yeah, there's so, so so many lessons to take. Uh, 
uh, you mentioned you know the you cannot uh, enjoy the real mangoes in the mangoes in the water this is like our devotional service like probationary state uh, devotional like one fit in the material one fit in the spiritual so we have to live accordingly but one thing i i neglected to mention now that you bring it up this important thing is that by using the reflection we become qualified to enter the reality in other words that a mango of this world is not a real mango if it sits there for long enough it becomes brown and it'll start to leak and start to smell bad and flies will come it's not the real thing but by taking this false thing and using it in reality which is lord's service we become qualified to enter eternal relationship with reality so it's not that we reject the reflection but we use we work in the reflection knowing its reflection but for the satisfaction of the lord and by that we become qualified to enter reality so it's a very nice thing you brought up from thank you yes perfect thank you so much prabhu i don't have any question there's so many points i liked it just i was mentioning it okay i'm appreciating yeah that our guru is like a parole officer you know he will catch if you do something wrong like like the example <laughs> you gave <laughs> yeah. he's watching us prabhu <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and ultimately paramatma is watching us guru shri guru means the external manifestation of paramatma how we can't see paramatma so he comes before us as liberated spiritual master ஹரேகிருஷ்ணாஸ்வாயம்பவரிங்ஸ்வாயம்பவரிங்ஸ்வாயம்பவரிங்ஸ்வாயம்பவரிங்ஸ்வாயம்பவரிங்ஸ்வ
uh, have stand triggered uh, for the message of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. My, from my understanding is that I, I know this is a, to be a fact. Srila Prabhupada is very keen on Bhaktivedanta Institute to challenge modern materialistic scientific and atheistic scientific thought. Not that all scientists are atheists. I'm not saying that. Some are genuine God-conscious persons in their own right. But he was very keen on spending money, uh, large amounts of money to support BI, Bhaktivedanta Institute. But what happened to that, I don't know exactly. I don't want to get into a political discussion about it. But I know for a fact Shiloh Prabhupada wanted to be supported. And he was very, very happy with these, these brilliant uh, PhD devotees that were directly challenging the materialistic yes. understanding of creation and what is life. Yes. So I don't, necess- I don't necessarily have an exact answer for you. It's, a, it's sort of a political question. It's really the realm of the GBC's responsibility to do the needful, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah, that, that means very important. But it, is a, uh, it, yeah. but it is a fact that Prabhupada wanted the BI to be supported. No doubt about that. Yeah. But they have to do their work also. That's another thing. I don't, I don't know all the details, so it's hard for me to comment. But in a general way, Prabhupada wanted them to preach strongly, and he wanted them to be supported. Those things are for sure. No doubt about that. Mm-hmm.